Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Random Thoughts with Lito. All right, y'all. Um, I say it every episode that I'm excited, but I'm really, really excited because my good friend is in the building today. Uh, a legend in the Brooklyn world in this acting scene, but um, an industry titan, somebody I look up to as a friend and as a comrade, my brother Rick Gonzalez in the building. Yeah, what's up, Brooklyn? Brooklyn, we here. Big, big Brooklyn. Yo, Rick, man, Um, like I just told you offline, but I have to say here, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for uh, being on my podcast. Um, Like I said, we we met years and years ago, but you've been just a stand-up dude since the moment that we met. Uh, always uh, A1 type of guy, always always just a kind individual. So I, I'm, I, this podcast is a podcast where I bring my people that I, I admire or love or family, friends, that people that I want to give their flowers to. So, like what? So, yeah, so, I got to give you your flowers. Cause I think I said this when we first met. I'm like... Mm-hmm. It's criminal, be like you. You were just what you did on the wire is like mm. ridiculously incredible. You know what I mean? So I always, every time I think of the wire, I think of you and your scenes mm. with Hassan, and it's heartbreaking. And like I love the way you brought a certain type of street dude to this to to that character that needed that approval. Mm. And we don't normally see that from those, you know, those characters. And that's why I love The Wire so much and why I felt like it was criminal the way the industry just kind of like took its time to give everyone their flowers Mm -hmm. on that show. Mm Because, you know, Hollywood's always last to figure out, you know, what's really good. And and I just felt like when we met, I I feel like I want to say I said that because I was like, yo, you just... It was probably something like that, but I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it so much because, like, you know, you're a person that I also feel like the industry hasn't given you your just due, even though they they had taken notice and they've been taking notice since you started, but there's there's moments where I look at it and I'm like, yo, Rick need to be in every fucking movie right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so, so I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have you on and thank you for your kind words yeah. about me, but let, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. I want to start from the yeah. beginning for you. Um, mm-hmm. what was it like growing up for you? What part of Brooklyn are you from also, but what was it like growing up for you in Brooklyn and where was the transition for you from being, uh, a, a kid in Brooklyn to, to, jumping into the acting world what was that like for you so i was born and raised in bushwick mm. uh, so you know for those that don't know like it's very close to bedford stuyvesant where biggie's from mm-hmm. um i would say bushwick is sort of like the very north of brook of brooklyn and sort of very close to queens mm-hmm. so you can walk to queens from bushwick mm-hmm. you know what i mean ridgewood queens and stuff like that it's like across the street, right? It's, it, it's it like if you get to Cypress Avenue, like if you take like Green straight up or mm. maybe like Menahan straight up or one right. of those streets, Grove straight up and you hit Cypress, you're immediately in the Queens. Gotcha. Um, so you're like a five, five minute walk away. Um, but growing up in Bushwick at that time was uh, a mixture of love and paranoia mm. because in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, it's sort of like um, the wolves were out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like a lot of people were kind of like, like I just remember as a kid, like always walking out the house and having to look over my shoulder or like 
having the third eye, you know, worried about like, is somebody going to try to set it on me today? Like, is it today is going to happen, you know? But at the same time, it was a mixture of love because Bushwick represented like the soundtrack to my life. You know, I heard salsa through every Buick Regal that came by on the car. Mm -hmm. I heard the latest Big Daddy Kane album. I heard, like, I fell in love with music um, really early on. And, you know, it was because of Bushwick that that happened. Um, I, you know, Bushwick um, has the first movie theater I ever went to with my mom. And so she would take me there like, like clockwork, maybe, you know, four times a month mm -hmm. um, to see a movie. And, you know, uh, so it holds a lot of dear things in my life, you know, and uh, it, it was absolutely dangerous. But at the yeah. same time, like I made a lot of friends there, yeah. you know, um, some people that I still call my friend to my friends to this day. And, you know, um, it, it's where I think, you know, for me, I realized that my strength and who I am is just embracing everything that I've learned and gone through growing up in Bushwick, you know, and embracing that person, you know, because I feel like that's what this is about is being true to yourself and just, yeah. you know, honoring that person, you know, um, obviously in life, you realize like how to temper that, but mm -hmm. I, I realized that, you know, Bushwick was a crazy time, yeah. but it was also like, and when I think of it, a beautiful time. Yeah. And, I always uh, say that, Rick. I always say I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Growing up in Brooklyn, I grew up in Flatbush in the projects. I wouldn't change it because sure. it, it, it created something within us that helped us all the way throughout our life, right? To survive in the industry. If you could survive in Bushwick, if you could survive for survive in Flatbush, you could yeah. survive anywhere. You sure. know what I'm saying? I agree, um, I agree with that. 100%. So, so, so growing up in Bushwick, what, yeah. where was the transition into acting for you? Because I know you went to LaGuardia. You went, yeah. to, you know what I'm saying? What was that like? Yeah, so um, I've said this many times before. Um, I was five years old when I affirmed to my mom that I wanted to be an actor. Mm. Uh, it was in a home video that I realized I had said it to her. Uh, I was holding one of those giant cameras back in the day. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I was telling my mom, like, I want to do this when I grow up and I'm pointing to the camera that I'm holding. And, and so I take that moment and, you know, you go to school, right. And there's always these school plays, mm -hmm. and, you know, and so I was always driven. I want to be the lead in these plays, mm -hmm. you know, if we're going to do Annie. I want to be, you know, I can't be Annie, but I'll be daddy, Warbucks, <laughs> daddy Warbucks. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm daddy Warbucks, you know? And, and so it was that kind of thing where like, I, you know, uh, finished fifth grade, I told mom, I want to, I want to learn how to act, you know? Mm. So, uh, she said, okay, well, let me search junior high schools that have acting programs. We found one in Bushwick, mm. uh, had an acting program it was too late for me to get in, but moms was able to just talk to the Dean and Dean was like, sure, it's fine. Come on in. That school alleged, uh, um, also led me to a guidance counselor who was like, what do you want to do after, you know, you finish here? Like, I'm like, I want to continue to learn how to act. She's like, well, there's a school called LaGuardia. You know, have you ever heard of it? I'm like, I have no idea what that is. She's like, well, it's this school to learn how to act. And I'm like, well, that's where I'm going to go. She's like, well, you need to have two other places to, to, to uh, apply for in the school, in the district, in the city, rather. And I said, no, I'm just going to apply there. So I auditioned uh, and pretty much the rest was history, sort of like in terms of like 
getting on track in, in terms of getting towards a professional career because mm -hmm. that LaGuardia kind of set me up for that. Yeah. So um, when I got there, uh, when I auditioned, I met James Moody, who played um, the father in um, in, uh, in uh, the movie with Vanity and Tymok, um, The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon. Uh, Last Dragon. He played the dad. Was like director your oh, pizza, yeah. green okay. old pizza. <laughs> anyway, James James is one of the first black men to graduate from La, uh, Juilliard, and he was also a teacher at LaGuardia. Uh, he taught drama, and he saw my tape. Was like you're definitely getting in. He's like I also have this uh, musical repertory company that I work with. It's called the Rosetta Le Noir Theater Academy, Musical Theater Academy, mm. and we're off Broadway at forty. I want to say 43rd and 8th. We're at the Harold Clerman Theater, mm -hmm. wherever the Harold Clerman Theater is, right, by 43rd and 8th. And so um, I'm like, yeah, I want to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I end up finding out Rosetta Lenoir, if people don't know who she is, is the grandmother from Family Matters. Oh, and wow. So what she did was, and God bless her soul, like this lady was just so genuine because um, she took the money she made from Family Matters and funded a musical theater academy for New York City kids who, you know, had no access to, you know, learning how to sing, dance, and act, right? Mm -hmm. To become triple threats. And so uh, it was through Mr. Mr. James Moody who was like, come do this uh, company with me. You know, mm -hmm. we, we get together every Saturday and then we put together a show at the Harold Clement Theater and you're going to be off Broadway. And, you, you know, you get to learn, you know? And I'm like... Right. I'm in. And so I'm learning acting, I'm learning singing, I'm learning dancing at, you know, 12 and 13 years old. And then a year later, I'm, I'm going to LaGuardia. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then that was kind of like the introduction to me understanding like the craft of acting and yeah. everything that that entails. And it just made me fall in love with it even more. It was everything that I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, going backwards, I think the love for acting started with my mom because Moms was into horror films and she was into mm -hmm. action movies and mm -hmm. she was into pop culture. You know, my mom mm -hmm. consumed pop culture. So we listened to the Eagles and we listened to Hector Lavoe and we listened to Motown and we also watched Alone and Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. and Friday the 13th, everything. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so, you know, that stuff just kind of like it like buzzed inside of me. It just, mm -hmm. it was just like this thing inside of me that was palpitating and was just buzzing. And mm -hmm. every time I would watch a movie, it was like I was internalizing the experience and just saying like, well, how would that translate for me? You know? And so my, my communication with my mom was just like, you got to get me in these classes because I have to learn this. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, once LaGuardia was done, thank God I was able to get an agent because of the school and, you know, I just kept the going, rest man. is history. Y'all, yeah. that's I have no regrets in life, but see, when I was young and it was time for me to go to these acting schools or these these performing arts schools, yeah, I was already acting. So yeah. it was tough for me because I was like, I don't want to go and be with actors all day, not thinking like that's where you actually need to be. So that's one regret I have is that I didn't, I didn't go to a LaGuardia or a PPAS. You know, what's an interesting thought is like, uh, I was uh, talking with Lawrence Fishburne one day um, and he was having a, I would, I would, you know, having a conversation about, um, you know, going to school as opposed to, you know, mm -hmm. just, learning on the job, you know, not having that, that, that craft to learn from. 
And, you know, his idea was that, you know, I don't think you should do that, you know? And I think everyone's journey is different because it, it doesn't necessarily mean just because you study that you're more qualified for the part and that yeah. you have this talent to give to the world. I think the talent is talent, you know? Yeah, and I, at the time I, I disagreed with him because I felt like the same way a doctor has to go to, you know, to learn, you know, yeah. uh, actors need a place to like get better. Mm -hmm. But I agree with him. And, and the older I got, the more I was like, no, I, I agree with that. Because I think with terms of acting, it, it's, it's a medium that, you know, as long as the instrument is being true and honest, and, honest. And, it's, and, and, it, and it makes sense to the creator who's creating with the actor, that's all that matters. That's you know what I'm saying? And, and I just... I I had not to cut you off. I had to learn that though, because I had never taken it. I still haven't taken an acting class, right? But I, but I learned every well. Early on, I didn't take an acting class because we couldn't afford it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, we, we couldn't afford a, you know these two three hundred dollar a week classes. Yeah. So yeah. we had. I had to learn the only way we knew how, and that was y'all. I, I talked about it. I believe on my first episode, I learned how to act watching the making ofs of DVDs. So, you know, mm. back in the day, the DVDs used to have the behind the scenes and how yeah. I would just study it and just like, okay, this is how they're doing it. And those were like acting classes. It was like master yeah. classes, really, because- Yeah, yeah we talked about the character and everything. Everything. Okay, so LaGuardia, you get an agent. So you start doing yeah. <laughs> a bunch of guest spots, a bunch of, a bunch of different roles, but- mm. For me, I felt like 2002, 2003 is when the world yeah. started to take notice. Yeah. That year, you did Biker Boys and Old yeah. School. Yeah. Uh, two classics. <laughs> what was that year like for you? And what did it mean to finally start getting recognized for like the years you, of work you put in? Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know... It was after I after I did a film called The Rookie with Dennis Quaid for Disney. Um, that was like, oh, okay, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that was very successful, and I was able to get those auditions. Now, like, you know, I was starting to starting to get in the room with certain things, and uh, I did some indies after that, and then the auditions for for Biker Boys and and Old School came through, and. <clears throat> When those came out, I, you know, started, everything started moving quickly, mm -hmm. you know, like things mm -hmm. started to like move quickly. I remember um, auditions coming in. I think after I finished old school, uh, the audition for Coach Carter came in mm -hmm. and that took a little while because they, they, that I think I auditioned for that maybe like four, four or five times. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that took a while for it, for it to land. Um, and I remember like, Cause my hair was so long back then, right? So yep. it's just, it's like you, I'm in Los Angeles, and uh, you know, normally, you know, you're trying to get into a club, and you can't really get in. You know, you gotta like <laughs> finesse certain the right words to the bouncer or whatever. Right. And now, like, you know, my friends is like, "Yo, man, make sure your hair is out so we can get in the club." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know how many times I had to wear that goddamn ponytail for the homies? <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's what I remember. Those those years were 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 pretty brutal in terms of like, I just I gotta like play the part here, you know, and just try to like make life a little easy for me. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just kind of happened fast. Like, and I guess the interesting thing is, is like, you, I, I guess and you're a dad, so it's like you have no idea about being a father. And then once the baby's here, dad mode kicks in. And so like, whether you know it, know how to do it or not, you just adjust to success or like whatever that means. Yeah. Whatever's happening at that moment, you're adjusting and you're yeah. either faking it till you make it or you're just like, now nah, I got this, I'm cool. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I think for me, I was like in kind of two modes, like faking it till I made it. And then at the same time, like trying to play it cool, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fast, you know? And I, for me, my career was like moving really quickly in the early 2000s and mid 2000s. Uh, and then all of a sudden it slowed down, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I want to stay here because you had mm -hmm. your run. I think we don't acknowledge people who have been able to stay in this industry for like the early 2000s to now yeah. and be able to have people still recognize our work and still uh, love our work and appreciate sure. the things we do. Cause there's some people, unfortunately that this industry eats them alive. You know what I'm saying? And I sure. feel like yeah. maybe it's yeah. the Brooklyn in us. Maybe it was our upbringing. Maybe it's our family and our friends that kept us grounded in order to stay, to stay in this industry for this long. Yeah. But yeah. 2002, 2003 for you was like the beginning. And sure. you know, I, what I loved yeah. about you was that you, didn't just take roles that was one one lane. You know, mm -hmm. you got one spectrum of comedy over here on old school and you body that. Then Biker Boy is over here with Derek Luke and the, you know, and, and the sex crazed, you know, character over here. And it was it was you're never typecast. And mm -hmm. and that's what I appreciated. But then it was Coach Carter. Yeah. And uh <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this, but Watching Coach Carter made me want to be an actor. That was the no first. Way. That was the first movie I seen. It was. It was two movies: Paid in Full and Coach Carter. Mm, so but watching you in particular and Coach Carter made me want to be an actor. Wow. Um, and I know we've never talked about that because once we met, we we became friends, and and it's just been love. But I I wanted to tell you that because if I hadn't watched that movie, I wouldn't be where I am. You know no, what I'm that's saying? Crazy. Don't, Real oh talk. That's Real crazy. talk. Um, and I, I remember seeing your character, and I was like, "Yo, that's my dream role, bro!" Like, that's and then and then seeing you from Brooklyn, and then seeing you a, a Latino, I'm like, "Yo, that is." I looked up to you at that. I still do because I love your work. But at that time, it, I was like, "I think I want to act." I remember telling wow, you after that watching. Touches it. That's crazy. Wow. Real, Real talk. Real talk. That's dope. But Coach Carter, we got to talk about it, man. One of my favorite films of all time. I think it's it's yeah. highly underrated, even though everyone loves it. But it, it really is such an amazing film. What was that time like for you doing this film? And um, what was it like working with Samuel L. and, and, and yeah. Rob Brown, who was like killing at that time? Yo, you went yeah. in an audition and Rob was in there. He was getting it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, So what was that process like with all these young folks and then the legend Samuel L.? Yeah, um... It was it was an amazing experience, first and foremost. Like I still call Rob a dear friend to this day. Um, a lot of those guys are dear friends of mine. Like we all really bonded and had a really great time shooting it. Because I think we all just, you know, a lot of us were already working for some time and you know, 
for us to just be together with Sam and to really soak up and enjoy the experience. You know, yeah. um, we were getting to play all play basketball for three months and have fun and, mm -hmm. and really just tell this story together. So for me, the beginning of it was sort of turbulent because I had an audition for the part and I didn't get along with the director for some reason. Like <laughs> I went into the audition room and, and note to self, I have to speak with Sarah Finn about this because she's the casting director. I'm sure you know Sarah Finn. Yeah, yeah. She, um, I need to ask her what happened because we we got into a little beef. Like almost, <laughs> I had to walk out the room. Like Sarah was like, "Wait, right, why don't you go outside, Rick?" And, and wait, y'all got into a beef in the audition yeah, like, room. We exchanged words in the room. Me and the director, wow. Thomas Carter, we exchanged words, wow. and then so much so that <laughs> I was surprised that I got the job. So, uh, <laughs> but that was perfect. That was Timo Cruz. I guess so. I guess maybe he was pushing my buttons to see like where, where I would go. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then uh, I get the call that I got the job and I go, um, I go to the table read and he pulls me to the side and he's like, hey, man, I just want you to know that there's no hard feelings. I think you're great. But let's just have a great shoot. I'm like, absolutely. I, I don't know where we left off on the wrong foot, but I want us to have a, a great shoot. So I'm looking forward to it. And then boom, we just we're in it. We're in the gym and we're learning basketball plays. And, you know, and for me, like the first step was just humbling myself and saying, OK, I got to come at this on some, like, I've never played basketball before. I'll learn everything. I'll relearn everything, everything they need, need for me, you know? So for them, it was just like, well, you know, Robert Richard is going to be our point guard. So he's going to be the more dribble specialist. We want um, Timo to be the three-point specialist and to mm -hmm. shoot, you know? So we just want to work on your form and this and that. I'm like, great, perfect. That's what we're doing. And um, fast forward to, like, learning about who I want Timo to be. So talking with the writers, the, um, the conversation was, obviously these guys are real guys, but Timo was actually a combination of a couple guys. So one guy left the team and one guy was active in the streets. Mm -hmm. um, and so they kind of decided, well, we can't have both of them. So let's combine them both, create this guy and let's make them Latin. You know, um, we don't have that representation. They did that. Uh, thank God. And, um, so getting to know, I didn't really get to meet the guys. And the one thing that I felt like I just, I, I felt like I, I dropped the ball was the accent for Timo. Cause I, I didn't have anyone from the Bay. I had no friends from the Bay. There was no like YouTube where I could just like go up and learn the accent. You know, I wasn't going to listen to E40 all day and try to right. make Timo sound like E40, right. you know? So it was just like trying to understand the subtleties of like, what the Bay sounded like back in 2003 when there was no library or, you know, information at my fingertips at the time where I could learn the accent. So unfortunately I just had to just make him like sort of like a transfer student type, you know, where mm. he's from the East coast, but he moved over there and, you know, he's with his cousin and, you know, unfortunately they hired Vinny Laresca to play my cousin. Yeah. Uh, and so he's East coast as well. So, you know, so it kind of just play, played into that idea of like, you know, we're a family that, you know, is broken and moved over here. Maybe my cousin, you know, just was getting away from trouble and yeah. brought me with him, you know. And so for me, it was just like, I think the frustration of Hollywood not understanding what these inner city kids and the struggle that these kids go through. So I, I actually, you know, accepted the challenge and said, you know, finally, you know, let me let me take this character and represent, you know, 
what Hollywood doesn't understand about these guys. You know what I'm saying? And they always cast, to me, I always felt like they casted people that don't, don't bring the authenticity of like turmoil, you know, the, the inner turmoil in terms of like what these kids go through. Yeah. Um, they're usually too pretty looking. They're too like, you know, just they just don't represent the 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 the, the struggle. Yeah, and so, you see uh, it often. You see you see it. You see through it when they yeah. make it's a parody of what we live and where we come yeah. from. It's you see through it, and that's why I, I think I respected your characters so much because you weren't trying to be a gangster. You wasn't trying to. Be, you can tell that character that was his life. Yeah, and he didn't necessarily want it to be, but that was the his experience, and you played yeah. that so so effortlessly, my brother. So thank effortlessly. you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I just. There's so many films that I thought about, and I'm like, I just don't want this guy to be that. You know, I think there's a real opportunity here. You know, east for wherever wherever you from, if you from the hood, east or west or the south or Midwest or wherever there's a common thread that everyone's connected to in terms of like the pain of being from a broken home, mm -hmm. the pain of not being affirmed as a child, um, the pain of not, you know, having stability and discipline in your life. So then you don't know where you belong in life. Yeah. So now, you know, everything is a cry for help. Everything is like, I need to affirm myself through, you know, um, the affection of maybe a gang or the affection of, you know, women or the affection of drugs or, you know, and, and so for Timo, I think he loved his cousin. I think his cousin was sort of like this false father figure who actually forced him into a life that I don't think Timo wanted to do, you yeah. know what I mean? And so for me, I, I held on to that because I'm like, man, I feel so bad for this kid. I, I really do. And I knew kids like that. Yeah. You know, those are the kids that I... I tried to avoid those kids in the hood because they tried to terrorize me. You know, they did. I remember this one kid in the neighborhood, like I'm walking with my brother. He's like, I don't know. My brother must have been like eight at the time. I think I was 15 or 14. And, you know, he was just a terror. And I see him and I'm like, damn it, man. Like, Here you know, and I, you know, he was just ready to do it, you know, like, yeah. and, uh, you know, so it was that thing where I was like, okay, so, I have these tidbits and these things that I want to use that I want to color, color Timo with. And I want, you know, to show that, that danger and that, just that sadness, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that, that sadness of him, you know, you land, you landed it perfect. And I think being from our neighborhoods, it, it didn't just mesh us and, and mold us. It gave us room and characters to create with. Like you said, oh, yo, I look at people I grew up with. Naaman was, it was not my life at all by any means, but Naaman from The Wire, that character I played, was all of the dudes I grew up with in the projects. You know, it was me just, like you said, using our experiences to color our characters. And I sure. think that's what makes it uh, great work. Um, but he said, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest yeah. fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Oh, that speech was perfect. Um, perfect, uh, perfect, my brother. Did you uh, have you ever read uh, Marianne Williamson's Marianne Return Williamson. of Love? No, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't learn about it until I after I read the screenplay, and then mm. um, obviously, you know, Nelson Mandela wrote uh, spoke it when he when he was released from prison. Yeah. Um, and then I researched like, okay, this Marianne Williamson. This is her speech, and um, you know, I think the the 
the thing about it was, was like when I did it <clears throat> that day, I didn't know how I, I had this idea of how I wanted it to come out. And I think ultimately what was showed up on the screen was like just a simple conversation without saying it to him, you know, without saying all those things, I appreciate you letting me stay with you. I appreciate you too. It's like, I just want you to know that I was always listening. Mm. I was always listening, you know, and, um, and I thank you for that, you know, and I, I wanted to make that clear for him. And I think the writers did a wonderful job in making that pay off yeah. in the film because, uh, you know, Timo really needed that. And I think that's what, that's what coach kind of represented for these kids was like, I'm going to affirm these kids in, in a really strong way because children need discipline, yeah, you know, um, for sure. and that's how you, that's how you show them. You love them, you know, um, it's when it's when you let them do what they want that they realize like do you even care you know Ooh, uh, and so he knew that you know so he affirmed them and saying no nah, you're gonna do this do this the right way yeah and um and so that you know when you do that you they do listen yeah and uh yeah. reluctantly and reluctantly but reluctantly. <laughs> you know what i mean it ain't gonna be easy the word um he said to him you saved my life uh yeah and i it was and that was so poignant because I've had a person in my life that if it wasn't for them looking yeah. out for me or caring for me, like you said, I don't know yeah. where I would be. Do you, is there a person in your personal life that you had that, you know, you feel helped you stay on track or, or to get to where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom, my mom is, uh, the way she raised me. Cause you know, Bushwick, uh, like I said, it was dangerous and beautiful at the same time, you know what I mean? So there was a lot of alluring things, you know, in the neighborhood that was exciting to me, you know, the, the people, the music, the hustlers, everything. And so <clears throat> you know, my mom's a single parent. So, you know, it, it, she had two, two boys. So for me, it was like, it was easy for me to go out there and, you know, get lost in the allure of the life as Jay-Z yeah. likes to put it. Right. And so uh, I think for me, you know, uh, my mom ain't always right, but she was right about me in terms of like putting that iron fist on me. And, and I feared her more than I did the streets. Mm. And so because of that, uh, it led me on the, on the straight and narrow. Like I had to like, it was early on was a little shaky for me, but once I reached LaGuardia, uh, you know, she had a really good, a great grip on, on me as a person. And so it, it allowed me to just focus on like, well, I'm, I'm going to give this act. I'm going to go full steam ahead with acting. Like yeah. and there was no doubt in my mind I was going to act. There was like literally no doubt in my mind. I knew it. Um, and it was one of the, the purest things that I've known in my life in terms of acting was like, I'm going to do this. Now, eventually I would like, you know, ruin it with other things and, and, and destroy it in certain ways, you know, but that's what life is about. You get off track, yeah. you get back on track, and you yeah. figure it out. It's, it's, it's all opportunities for us to grow. That's what I look yeah. at. Anytime I fuck up, I'm like, all right, what, am I, what do I need to learn right now? What do I need? What, what is this telling me? What is this moment yes. creating in me? Uh, yeah. It's all an opportunity to learn. So we met um, on the red carpet of a legal tender. Ooh. Throwback. Yeah. That's oh, when we first met. I don't even know if you remember that. That's but crazy. I was on that red carpet and I was so hyped to meet you because, as I said, I looked up to you. And 
to watch you in a film where you're the lead character in like a action kind of it's it the film is nothing but like latinos and and people that look like me and who we got similar names like it it was really a beautiful experience to see that so i was i was hyped that my uh they they asked me to jump on the red carpet but what i want to talk about is first of course what 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 did that mean for you to play in uh, a legal tender? And what did John Singleton mean to you? Because I know he played a huge part in you getting that role and, and that yeah. film even being made. Um, and his passing was, you know, it was, it was, it was sudden and it, it, I didn't know him personally sure. and it hurt me. So I can only imagine for a person like you who, who really got to spend time with him. What was, what was it? What would it, what did he mean to you? What is Did you learn anything from him throughout that process? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, like to answer your first question, like to do illegal tender was monumental. You know, I think, you know, there's just not enough identity and representation for Afro Latinos like us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, to get an opportunity at that time. And at that time, John Singleton was red hot because oh, he had yeah. did um, Hustle and Flow. Yeah. And then he did Black Snake Moan. And so uh, right after Hustle and Flow, uh, Universal gave him a three picture deal. Mm-hmm. And so Illegal Tender was a part of that three picture deal. Um, and uh, that was everything, you know? Um, it was written by uh, Frank Reyes, who literally wrote the part for me. He was like, you know, I'm gonna give you your lead. You know, he came up with this idea and was like, you know, and so uh, as fate would have it, he meets, he sees John and John saw one of his other films, uh, Empire with John Leguizamo. Yep, yep. And was like, I love that film. Uh, what, what, you got something else? And he's like, I do. I just created this thing for this kid named Rick Gonzalez. You know, it's called Illegal Tender. And John was like, all right, pitch it right now. You know, so, you <laughs> that's, know John, John. that's who John is. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's just, he's just a, like, I wish I had his energy because he's just so, you know, virile and strong and just like, let's go. Let's, yep. you know? so that's, mm-hmm. that's who he is, you know. And so, um, they, I mean, literally in like two weeks, you know, the deal was done and wow. they were finishing up the script and, you know, he was writing it and, and John was like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's shoot, let's shoot, let's shoot, let's shoot, you know? And so uh, before you know it, we're in Puerto Rico finishing the film with Dego Calderon and, yeah. you know, uh, and John's in, in, in Puerto Rico and, you know, it, it just, it was just, it was just crazy. Like, you know, I learned a lot, you know, I, I feel like, you know, it was a lot that I learned about. I, I realized that, you know, it was, there was things as an actor that I was like, okay, uh, you know, there, there's a sort of like understanding of, you know, in terms of creating a character and going from the beginning to the end and understanding that. And I, I think for me, I just, it was also like quick and sudden that I just, I didn't understand the whole, the whole puzzle of my character. And so in hindsight, I saw a lot of opportunities that I missed, but to say the least, man, it was, I learned a lot about even filmmaking. You know, John is a walking USC film school. Yeah. So for him, when we watch the sh- the film and when we watch shots, and I'd finish a shot and I'd go to the video monitors where we watch playback, he's explaining to me like, "Oh, this would be perfect for the close up, and we're gonna do this, and I want on this line we can do this." You know, mm-hmm. and then he's talking with Frank about you know 
the shots and, and what we need to do. And, um, and so those little tidbits of understanding, like, you know, the, the mechanisms of what makes storytelling possible mm -hmm. just by the shots, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, cause he was a, a big component of emotional storytelling through directing and, and, and what the shots look like. And he was, you know, that's stuff that he learned through Spielberg and being at USC yeah. and stuff like that, you know, and yeah. he would go to Spielberg's house and just talk shop about all this stuff. So he would yeah. literally pass his information on to us, you know, um, and, you know, I think for me, like, just the fact that he affirmed me in terms of, you know, as an actor, you know, as a Latino actor, the fact that he, he said, you know, you the shit, you know, <laughs> ain't nobody fucking with you, you know, and it was just the way he said it is just like, you believe just it, made, you just believe you just, it just made you feel like, oh, I, I could kill this town, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's who he was, you know, he, he really affirmed, you know, the people he was around and, you know, you can't, you can't put a price tag on that, yeah. you know, that you, yeah. you can't, and that stuff sticks with you forever. Yeah. You know? I, I, I was, uh, I was supposed to work with him. So he had casted me in a ludicrous runaway love video. Oh, and then he ended up on like the last week, not being able to do it. So Je Jesse Terrero ended up doing it, and shout out to Jesse. Oh, um, oh come on, that's my guy, my guy. But I, so I never got to work with John, but you yeah. know his passing, it, it was really, it, I really felt it, man. And I was, but I, but that's that's what John was. He was a yeah. genius, and he he gave people like yourself an opportunity. It's crazy. I got this shirt on, bro. I just I put know. it on. Yeah. No, I just threw it on, and then I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna ask Rick about John. Look at the way yeah. the universe is working, right? Uh, that's love. Right, like that's that that's love, man. And God rest his soul. God rest his soul yeah. for sure. So yeah. you, so you, you, you have a vast, uh, elite resume from comedies to dramas, action. What project do you think you learned the most from? Oh, that's easy. Um, I did a TV show uh, on the CW called Reaper. <clears throat> and uh, it was a comedy. We were on for like one and a half seasons, mm. maybe two. Um, and it was dry humor, right? So I think I'm so, I was comfortable in very physical comedy. Um, and with Reaper, um, it's, it's, it's a buddy comedy. So there's three guys and that we have the straight guy, you know, um, who uh, Brett Harrison plays. And then we have my buddy Tyler Labine who plays Sock and he's like this burly, um, really funny teddy bear dude. And then there's me in the middle. Um, and I'm sort of like this really sweet and, and lovable, but like very just sensitive guy. Mm -hmm. And so finding the comedy in between the straight guy and the really funny, burly, lovable guy who's very big with his comedy mm -hmm. is like, where do I fit in? And how, what does that sound like? So I think I was being tested in terms of like having to um understand comedy in a different way yeah. um and i think once i finished that show um i it kind of clicked for me and in, in understanding like the rhythm and timing for that comedy and mm -hmm. it sticks with me to this day like mm -hmm. i owe that show so much because the the writers of that show uh, michelle vizikas and tara butters um they they were writing stuff to me that I felt like was like ahead of his time. It was so funny. It was so different 
um, and abstract and weird, but at the same time, like lovable and funny and like had a lot of heart that like, I just, you don't get to see that as much on television, you yeah. know? And so, um, you know, they definitely pushed us to have fun and, 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 and to really bring a sort of a tone to a comedy that for me at the time, I, I've never really was stretched to do, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for me that, you know, it's those moments in the career where that's when they say like learning on the job, that's, yep. that was it for me. Yeah, you know? I gotta watch it, man. I'm so mad that I missed it. I knew when it was on, but I don't watch TV like that. So I, I, I'm, I'm like, I have yep. to watch it. I have to yep. watch yep. it. Rick, do you got like a dream role, like a, a or, or not, maybe not a dream role, but a story that you want to tell yep. on screen or on film? Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, yeah. Right now, I think for me, the dream would be to play um, this. Um, so the so the Fanya All Stars were like this famed group of guys, this collection of guys that you know created that took salsa music and just took it to a whole nother level. You know, um, I'm not talking about like not to cut you off. El Cantante is one of my favorite movies. Oh, Mark yeah. Anthony, I I saw it in theaters, bro, like five times. Dope. The weekend it came out, so like this is exciting yeah. me that you that you talking about. But please go. Yeah. No, so it's just, you know, I feel like there's there's so many stories in there, you know, um, and, you know, you have um, people that, like, have created sounds that just kind of, like, changed everything about, you know, what we know as salsa, you know, and I'm just trying to find um, uh, someone in particular who, you know. Because uh, we got to see it from Hector Laveau's perspective. Well, we got to see it from his. And so the person, the architect for Fania is called Johnny Pacheco. His Johnny name is Johnny Pacheco. Pacheco. Johnny Pacheco, you know, essentially created salsa music. You know, mm -hmm. he was someone who understood all the African uh, Cuban rhythms and uh, and understood all the different sub rhythms in that culture, you know, and in that music world and found a way to create salsa in there, you know? Mm. And so that became a huge global phenomenon. And so it sort of spurred this culture and this, you know, what made me, right? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm a child of that music, you know? And so like, that's something that I relate to, you know, um, in terms of identity and representation. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like the forefathers of like creating this culture that, my mom used to dance too, you know, and my mm. grandmother and, you know, and so like that, there's so much history in there. And so for me, like to, I would love to do that, you know, to play Johnny Pacheco who created like salsa and, you know, who's with Celia Cruz in Africa performing for, you know, you know, 50,000 people, more than that probably, 100,000 people. Oh like, it's just, I mean, it's just so many amazing stories like them in, you know, at the Cheetah Club, you know, in the 60s and 70s, performing with Stevie Wonder, you know, and just, you know, there's just so many stories that they were able to just touch so many people and like, just giants in the game, you know, and I don't think a lot of people really understand the impact that they had and mm -hmm. the connections that they had. They changed the music. music. Yeah, yeah, they for sure. Music. For sure. They definitely influenced a lot of artists at that time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From your mouth to God's ears, I I, I can see it. I, I speak it into you. I, I hope that you know somebody in the universe is listening because that yeah. would be an elite. That would be an amazing opportunity. 
Um, but before we get out of here, we got to speak about Arrow. Uh, we yeah. got to speak <laughs> as of recent, play Wild Dog for four seasons on an amazing show. Arrow is a really good show. And it's weird. I'm not into action, but I really yeah. like Arrow. Oh. And, and and they wrapped up, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yep. wrapped up. What was it yep. like for those four years being on that set, uh, being in that action world? Um, yeah. What what was the what was it like for you, man? And what do you miss most about Arrow? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was like you know, the ten year old Rick Gonzalez and Bushwick with his friends, like you know, just playing pretend and having fun. Like I literally is like I was stand next to my castmates and we're all dressed up in our costumes with guns out and weapons and all this crazy stuff <laughs> and we're just like yo we're really doing this like this yeah. is what we're doing like yeah. the bad guys are right there the man's about to say action and we about to go fight <laughs> you know yeah. it's just it, it's it's pretty surreal and fun and you know you just you just gotta enjoy that stuff you know yeah. what i mean it's like if you're not enjoying it then it doesn't it's not gonna play well you know yeah. um and yeah, I mean, I think it just like, it was a dream come true. I, I had no idea who Wild Dog was, but I think that didn't matter to me. I think yeah. what matters was like, I'm a part of a DC universe. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm part of something that I spent money as a kid to see, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> and for me, it was like, oh, this guy's sort of like the Punisher. Perfect. Let's go have fun, you know? Let's yeah. go do it. You know what I mean? So uh, I just, I just, you know, for me, it was also like, how can I humanize them and make them, you know, uh, more endearing? And, you know, the writers were like, oh, we're going to make him a dad. He's going to have a daughter and, you know, he's, he's going to fight to get her back. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, and then I'm like, he got these two guns and he wears the hockey mask and then he just be wilding out and Arrow got to try to check him. And he's like, you can't check me. I'm wild dog. You know, so it's, it's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, it's a really good show. Uh, I, and it's good on like a rewatch too. That's why I love it. Mm. Because there's certain yeah. topics you see and it's like, I, I watched it one time, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. It, it, and done. I'm done. <laughs> it's, it's good on the rewatch. So please, uh, still go listen to, still go watch it, go support it. Right. Yo, so every week I do a random thought of the week. I allow the supporters, I call them the randoms, my the random family. They get yeah. to ask myself or my guests a question for yeah. the week. So okay, this back. week is from Creative Artsy Maker on Instagram. First hey, off, that go, that's my people, Simone. Please, y'all go support her, her, yes. her line, her business. She makes everything from T-shirts to buttons to everything, custom-made oh. stuff. But she asks us, what does it mean for us to be dads? And what have we learned from being a father? And I want to say your family, you have a beautiful family. Thanks, but man. uh well yeah what does it mean for you to be a dad and what did what what did you learn from from like having kids i think um what i learned is you know i i think what i'm learning is like mm -hmm. there's this duality of how i was raised and how i want to raise my daughter right yeah and she's not a boy she's a girl but I still want to apply the things that I didn't get mm -hmm. to her. So I'm, I'm learning or I, I'm, I'm just actively trying to apply that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think also like in the beginning, I found Christ in 2015. Mm -hmm. So my daughter was born in 2013. 
So the period of 2013 to 2015, I was still like not in a good place, good yeah. space. And I think um, the dedication aspect caught up once I accepted him, yeah. I accepted Christ. And then so like the work in terms of like pouring into my daughter and being disciplined in just the everyday thing, you know? Yeah. And so if I'm being, if I'm being, you know, honest with creative and telling her, like, I think for me, it was more about um, pouring into my daughter, you know, in ways that I felt like maybe I didn't get as a kid, you yeah. know? And so I'm very conscious of that because I feel like <clears throat> that I, I, for me, and, and I, I th I've said this many times, so a lot of friends of mine, I just think, affirmation and affirming your children is the most powerful thing you can do yeah. you know more than putting a head over the you know a roof over the head more than anything because as long as they know that you think the world of them and that you love them unconditionally and that you 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 care so much about them that you're so focused on them there is nothing that they're going to fear when they walk out into the world you know mm. and i think for me uh, you know, I knew my mom loved me. I, I knew, but coming from a broken home, you know, no one does it perfectly. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's no how-to manual. There's no how-to manual. It's just like, you know, as long as they survive and, you know, then you, then you did it right. You it's know, right. They're, as long as they're alive, then you right. did it right, right. you know? Right. And so uh, I think there's this thing about affirming them. And I think that's what I'm learning is like, you know, it's so powerful when you just pour into them that way. Yeah. Um, and everything falls into place after that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliantly said. I, I think for me, very similar. I think what I had to learn was that it's okay to not get it right. Yeah. You know, I think early on in my life, I would be I would be away with my mom because I felt like she wasn't getting it right as a parent. Yeah, she wasn't she wasn't hitting all the notes, so she wasn't what I wanted her to be. And then I had a kid, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I, I oh okay, I see why she wasn't it's getting struggle. it. Right. It's tough, and not it's not easy. You know what I'm saying? So I've I've had I've gotten I've I've learned grace from being a dad. You know mm, what I'm saying? That's powerful. Grace. I've learned how to, to how to understand people and understand that none of us are perfect because I'm not a perfect dad and I don't think my daughters need me to be a perfect dad. You know what I'm saying? I don't think our yeah. children need us to be a perfect people no. because no. Uh, you know it's it's one thing to put the mask on for your kids and have them Bye. look at you as superhero, Bye. but that and that's cool, but. Bye. We, a kid learns more from seeing their parents say, damn, I don't, I don't, I have the answers right now. Yes. I don't, Fact. I don't, I don't have it all together right now. And I'm learning right now because I was a young dad. So I'm learning as I go. Uh, so I, I think, you know, grace and, and understanding that it's okay to not know. It's okay yeah. to not have it all together. Um, I think there's something beautiful about, you know, there's something powerful when kids get to talk with their parents and, and there's this honesty about, yeah, there was, there, I was struggling. Yeah, it was hard. You know what I mean? Because then like, at some point, you know, the kids become, the kids become, have create a friendship with the parents, you oh, know, yeah. and now we can have this conversation to say, 
yeah, it was tough, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's earned once, you know, uh, once honesty and truth is in play, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And so yeah. it's a powerful thing that you said because it's like that humbleness of like always bringing that to the table is, is never going to steer anyone wrong. You know? and, and another yeah. thing, another really pivotal thing that I learned is that it's okay to apologize to your children facts you know what i'm saying bro i we our mother seemed very similar and my mother wasn't saying sorry for shit like <laughs> she was right and that was it and even if she fucked up it, <laughs> deal with it yo there's times where i've like you know had a moment with my child where maybe i was being too impatient or you know i, I you know yeah. i got upset yeah. or you know yeah. and i realized i'm like that wasn't cool Madison, my bad. And I think hearing that has shifted the type of child she is because she's now willing to be vulnerable with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I I didn't have that growing up. So now that's that's something that I'm learning like, oh, shit, okay. I'm learning that. I'm learning like it's okay to treat your children like they're human beings and not like our possessions, right? Because we don't own our children right we we, right. we have we're here to support them and, and guide them but they're in our posit our possession you know what i'm saying exactly yeah i think there's it's 100 man that's beautiful because my wife and i we do the same like we you know sometimes with skylar like you know it actually impatience is the is the perfect word because you know we're doing zoom schools and we have to like monitor everything and so it's really difficult so it's wearing on our patients so it's like a lot of times we have to be like Sorry, Sky, I apologize. She's like, it's okay, Dad. You know, and, and so, and now we see that, you know, we see her apply that to her own friendships, you know, and we see her, you know, give grace, you know what I mean, sometimes. And, and it's really beautiful to see, like, okay, like, because it's important for me that my daughter's a good person, you know what I mean? Like, you know, especially with, you know, her dad's in the industry. Like, I don't want her to grow up to be some sort of like entitled, you know, child. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want her to be respectful and, and humble. So like, that's what our main goal is, is like making sure that she's respectful and, and a good person. And <clears throat> it's, it's true. It's like these examples that we live, you know, we show them, they really are watching us and seeing us. And I think yeah. when we can humble ourselves to them, at the same time, still be disciplinarians. Mm-hmm. That sends a strong signal. Yeah. You know, it really does. A hundred percent. Yo, Simone, thank you for that question. That was an amazing question. Again, yeah. support creative artsy maker on Instagram. She's a you know a really good uh, person in my life, and please support her. And thank you for that question. Yo, Rick, man, this has been a pleasure, man. I, yeah, we got it. We got to talk more often, man. It's really yeah, good to should. chap it up with you, man. Really good to you know hear from you and thank you again for saying yes, man, to this course, man, podcast. Man. I think the world of you. I gotta give you your flowers. Like I said, man, you 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 shine in whatever you do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. So, uh, God willing, we get to work together one day. Oh, I would love oh, that. We, you know it, what I mean? it has to. It has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and and maybe maybe we gotta write it. I don't know, but but it, it has to happen. Yo. Uh, Rick, anywhere, anything we can look forward to coming from you uh, in the near future? Any new projects? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm shooting a pilot now uh, for NBC. I'm not sure if we're going to get picked up yet, but, you know, it's in the air. But it's it's based on um, 
the Dan Brown novels of the Da Vinci Code and, mm. and the Lost Symbol and Angels and Demons. And um, so it's, it takes place in the Lost Symbol uh, book of one of, of Dan Brown's novels. And so it obviously follows Robert Langdon. And um, so, you know, we're shooting the pilot for that now, which is exciting and fun. Oh. And uh, uh, It's getting picked up. It's getting picked up. I hope so. I hope so. We'll see. We've got to speak that, bro. We'll but but you know it, it it's it's looking good and and yeah. you know I think I think it'll be a nice ride for everyone and sort of like great escape for for everyone dealing with with COVID. I feel like a good Dan Brown novel on television yeah. would be a fun way to you know what I mean to kick off twenty twenty one. So uh, so we'll see, man. You know, uh, but yeah, putting positive love out there for that. There we go. There we go. I'm looking forward to seeing. It. I know it will get picked up. I'm speaking into the universe. I know how it is, bro. Because I had a few punches, and I'm like, God, <laughs> you know, I'll do it for you. It's going to get picked <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, but yo, Rick, um, love to your family. Love, love to uh, Scholar and Wifey. Please get send my love oh. to. Them. And y'all, thank you for supporting Random Thoughts every week. Follow us on Instagram at Random Thoughts the Podcast. Brooklyn Forever, Brooklyn Forever, Big Brooklyn, Big Brooklyn. Oh. Follow my brother Rick Gonzalez everywhere at Rick Gonzalez on Twitter, on social media. Stay up to date with what he has going on. Uh, follow us on Patreon at Random Thoughts with Julito. And if you want your question to be the Random Thought of the Week. Email me at randomthoughtswithhulito at gmail.com. Again, my brother, thank you so much, Rick. It's been love. I hope to see you soon, man. Kill it out there in T-Dot. Already. And and I I see you when you get back, man. Love, my brother. Already, man. That's some random thoughts for your head.